Hello, and welcome to You Would Love to See It, Ben Bites podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I'm your host for this week, Merritt Rich in the Reagan era K, and I'm joined by an all star cast to discuss an all star movie. Uh, with me this week is Fernanda, pretty motherfucker, Prouches. Hi. Yeah, you <laughs> remarked, Merritt, last week that we were going like, too deep into the self-deprecation in our nicknames. So I wanted to do some. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like we that. That's nice. Yeah, no, we d- this is this is a movie about picking yourself up. So I'm I'm glad that we we did that. Um uh, of course also with me is Danielle. It's all mine, Riendo. Hi, hello. I like to say that about fanbite, but I don't really feel that way. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm trying to you're kind of the Tony Montana here. of yeah, fanbite. Yeah, I'm trying to go with that. Yeah, yeah truly, <laughs> truly. Kind of the Scarface of fanbite. I have bite. a tiger, you know, that I just You have a just pet tiger. Out, you know, you just sit behind like this it. big desk. <laughs> it's true. Um, and especially uh, special special guest here this week. So uh, LB Hunters is uh, on the International Space Station. and uh, But we have a special guest this week. Uh, the host of Spawn on Me. Uh, which you can also hear on the Fanbyte Podcast Network. Uh, Khalif, I am my brother's keeper, Adams. Yo, can we hey, talk about right now how dope this is going to be? Uh-huh. This is going to be unreasonably dope. I have my cross colors on. I have, <laughs> I have, I have my Jinkos on. It's about yes. to be on in Listen, this piece. I just like bought a, a tracksuit. Like yes. a tango hat. <laughs> with, with I just African bought a medallion. classic. SST tracksuit uh, last week. Oh Classic Ooh. Adidas black tracksuit. Let's and go. So I'm just, I'm vibing on it. Um, Let's and go. so this week on You Love to See It, we're watching the 1991 crime drama, New Jack City. On the streets, there's a fine line between wrong and right, good and bad, between those who enforce the law. It is a war out there. And those who break it. Gone are the days of selling on the street corners, dark alleyways in the back rooms of some bummy-ass bar. We ain't with that no more. In a city where survival depends on friends. It's always business. Never personal. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am! A family out to run a city are up against cops who know its streets. This ain't business. Person. This is big business. This is the American way. <laughs> New Jack City is a 1991 American action crime film. It's based on an original story and screenplay by Thomas Lee Wright and Barry Michael Cooper and directed by Mario Van Peebles, who also appears in the film. It's his directorial debut, and it stars Wesley Snipes, of course, as the last film in our Snipes Month uh, series. Ice-T, Alan Payne, a young Chris Rock, uh, Judd Nelson, and Bill Cobbs. The film was released in the U.S. on March 8th, 1991. So we always like to start off the show by, um, by talking about our experience with the movie, our history with the movie. So, Khalif, as our guest, I'd love for you to tell us about your background with this movie. This is the quintessential, you need to get a 40, sit on the stoop, 
with a really small 13 inch TV <laughs> and watch this movie in the middle of the summer uh, with at least three people running behind you running through a fire hydrant. It is the perfect New York City story. <laughs> it is brilliant. It brings me back home to any time I think about when, I, you know, my, me living in New York. It is absolutely the best thing on the planet when I was watching. Cause I don't remember. I don't know what time is. I don't know how old I was when I was watching this <laughs> in the actual year that it was actually, let me Google my age to see how much it was. I, I was yeah, seven, check, check your so, wiki article. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Oh my God, this, this movie for me is 30 years old, uh, which is the, the age of it's at also least. 30 years old. Yeah. For, for um, most people, a 30 well, year yes, movie. Sure. Yeah. It's a 30 year old, they're old. Yeah, exactly. I forgot time works for everybody else besides me. Too. Nah. Um, and, and it seriously, no doubt, was this like, especially if you were living in New York at the time, this movie that like encapsulated just the vibe of the city, the vibe of especially, you know, we're going to get into setting and stuff, I'm sure, at some point during the show of Harlem at that time, which was very, very different than, than the Harlem that we know of now. Mm. Um, and it was super cool because you had an upstart in uh, Ice-T who was making his kind of acting debut in the space that, you know, everyone knew him from his hip hop uh, music and, and the music that he did in that space. Uh, so it was very, very different to see all of these pieces of connected tissue kind of happen in real time while all this stuff was going on in, in New York at that time. So it was it was something that I just hold dear to my heart as like the thing I love to show people who have never really had a chance to see it. So us getting a chance to do this today is going to be so much fun. Cause this is like reliving those moments too. So this is super. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. New York, very different place in 1991. Um, in a lot of ways, I would say, um, yeah. kind of on the, still in the grips of, uh, the AIDS crisis, which isn't something this movie really deals about, but is definitely, you know, related to, to drugs. Um, David Dinkins was the mayor of New York. Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, New York, uh, still has not had another black mayor, <laughs> uh, which is pretty busted. Fuck. Um, David Dinkins also just died in 2020. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, just radically, radically different place. Uh, this is the New York of, you know, uh, the rest of America is terrified of New York at this point in time, I think. Uh, and, and, you know, some of them still are. But this is like when we're getting all these movies in the 80s and, uh, and 90s about New York being this hellscape. Uh, you know, Escape from New York came out late 80s, I want to say. Yep. Somewhere in the 80s. And for sure. uh, yeah. So just a lot of those kinds of perceptions, like the idea that if you go on the subway, you're going to get fucking killed. Um, and it did look different, too. I mean, like, you know, the, when you see like the old stuff of like how the subway used to look, it's pretty different from how it does today, right? <laughs> um, I mean, this came yeah. out right around when Ghost did, which is like another hilarious view of New York. Mm, uh, as, yeah. I would say as a very different view of New York as we mm. talked about in that episode. But like, funny that we just watched that one as well, and and also had that like early '90s, very much informed by the late '80s view, New York and the New Yorks because there's yeah, so many, that's right. That's an interesting contrast, actually, because Ghost is about um, like white collar crime, yep, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and the kind of crime that's happening on Wall Street, uh, you know, at the same time as the events of this movie. So, kind of a an educational uh, juxtaposition. Danielle, yeah, what about you? What's your background with this movie? I have never seen it before this week. 
I, I've been familiar with it. I know about like a couple of the iconic scenes. Like I know about the, you know, I, I had watched the, like the dinner table scene for sure before. And like, I knew that uh, Wesley Snipes was like an incredibly charismatic and I will just say ridiculously attractive drug Lord. Like I knew that I, like I knew that premise, but I, I actually never sat down to watch the whole movie until this week. And I'm honestly shocked that I never did. And I I'm sad that I never did, but at least now, now I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fernanda. Yeah. So I had absolutely no history with this movie and I will say that since this is our closing uh, film for the the Snipes month, I did notice throughout that I do have this huge Wesley Snipes shaped hole in my, not huge, because I found out uh, after last week's movie that he's actually not that tall, but um, I have this this Wesley Snipes (laughs) hole. Yeah, and I, I I really need to be more educated on this the Wesley Snipes universe. I found out because he really is a tremendous actor. And with this movie in particular, not only had I not seen it, I didn't know it existed. Like it was just something that never even I had no idea about it. And I feel bad, but I will I will play the Brazil card because I can. There's no one around here to yeah. Like, don't feel bad. Online. Nobody yeah, can yeah. Dissuade, you know. No one can be like amazing. no. It, it was everywhere in Brazil in the nineties. I was there. I can even like inform people's visions on Brazil on this podcast, and I feel like that's powerful. Like that's a power I possess. Uh, but yeah, so I had never seen it before yesterday when I did for for this for this podcast, and I'm really excited to talk about it because I spent all morning sort of unpacking it in my head. It's just such a rich movie in so many ways. So I'm excited about this. Yeah. Um, as for me, I kind of, I, I knew about this movie. I hadn't gotten around to seeing it. It had been on my list. Um, but I will say that the I had seen a little bit of it before in a bar when it was playing on the TV over the bar and it was playing the scene where the uh like the italian guys come in oh. to try to to try to get him to pay taxes oh. and i i thought it was a vampire movie um, because because everyone in that scene is dressed like a super cool vampire um and maybe i was just sort of like you know maybe i had just seen the what we do in the shadows episode where where wesley snipes is a member of the vampire government um but uh yeah, that's basically all I knew. Oh, and um, and of course, I knew the meme oh, of yeah. um, you know when the race war starts and I have to kill Michael Sarah um, because that <laughs> that image is from this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, and Tony Hawk. Paul points out also Tony Hawk. Um, yeah. Michael Sarah is the one that I am most familiar with. But um, yeah, so um, kind of a pretty wide range of uh, of experience here. So. Uh, do we just want to get into the the setting, the set, just like starting off? Um, we're, we're in the 80s. We're in the late 80s. And uh, time, I will say time is kind of an interesting thing in this movie because it jumps <laughs> around like kind of a lot. Yeah. Um, there are like montages at some parts. Time skips ahead really quickly and then it's like really compressed. Uh, kind of like all over the place, but in sort of an interesting way. So 
I didn't realize that this movie, I kind of thought it would start like with crack already on the scene, but we get this scene of like, um, of Nino Brown and his gang, uh, CMB, the Cash Money Brothers, uh, basically learning what crack is yeah. and just being like, interesting. I, I think this is going to set the arc of the entire movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just, it's very weird to be like, oh, crack. I've never heard of it. What is that? Um, I kind of assumed it would start like in the 90s, but like, so we get this bit of them um, just forming this plan, right? Yeah, they first have it like in the car, which is so funny because the costume design is going to really do a lot for like how time jumps. <laughs> like because mm-hmm. they're in the car, it's it's Nino Brown, it's G Money who jumps in, uh, and of course we also have like a chase scene that introduces Ice T, who is a cop, like an undercover cop, and Pookie, who is uh, like a I guess he's like a corner boy at first, kind of like mm-hmm. uh, he's he's selling on the streets. Uh, we have like a mishmash of like all these characters and all this stuff. Um, and, and, and yeah, G money like introduces crack. He's like, you know, he's talking about how great it is. He's talking about how much the ladies love him when they're on crack, which is very funny. <laughs> uh, and they, they form this plot in the, the sort of infamous like folding table scene here. Um, and like one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is one of the, one of the ladies who is like herself, like, kind of the muscle, which I, I sort of appreciate. Yeah, she's, she's a, she's a gun mall. She, you know, she is mob, mob 100%, language. She is a gun mall. She like lays it out on the table and she, it looks like dried flakes of soap, which yes. I just love. Like what a way to like talk about this horrible poison that is going to be like, you know, the center of all of this, like this, this life of crime and, and mob and malice and, and all the stuff that this movie gets into. But like, what a way to fucking frame it. This, this fucking shitty substance, like flakes of dried soap. (laughs) (laughs) Which let me tell you as having some family members who were addicted to crack. That is not the way crack looks. It doesn't look (laughs) like that. It's a bad representation of actual crack. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But it was great to see, uh, Vanessa Williams in that moment, uh, kind of get her first, her first part of the scene, which also caused a lot of confusion in the black community because we were like, there's only one Vanessa Williams and she's the playboy, playboy model, Miss America, uh, probably in reverse, but like everyone was confused. They're like, there's another Vanessa Williams. (laughs) How did that, how did that happen? Um, but it, but it was a really interesting moment to see like, again, how you, how you, first to get to understand that crack is a thing in this mm. story and how much it's going to play uh, into, into the rest of it. So yeah, keep, keep, keep going, Danielle. You, you're killing it. I like, I like, I like where you're going. Oh, because I get very stuck on hilarious prop moments. You know, this is me I, all my, all my life. I get stuck <laughs> on like hysterically small details of like, did you know that curtain had a pattern on it? Like this is, this is how I live my life. I think you, uh-huh. I think you and I would be like really good continuity people. Yes, <laughs> we would. Oh, uh, the, the, the job is so hard, but it's so necessary because yeah, we, because we see it. We see it. Yeah. So, yeah I see all those so, things. <laughs> I just want to point out here that, um, yeah, uh, uh, Vanessa Williams uh, was uh, in Candyman the year after this. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. That in was which so she close. plays Anne Marie McCoy and is like incredible in that movie. Um, and then she was on Melrose Place after that. She was a series regular, so she had a really great nineties. Um, yeah, this was this was a really interesting springboard uh, role for her, and also like weirdly 
some folks that we didn't get a chance to talk about really quick in the in the the movie yeah. were Bill Nunn, who mm-hmm. is infamous for for all of his roles that he's played in 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 so many different, but is a major actor in uh, Do the Right Thing and so many Spike Lee movies, and then uh, Tracy Camilla Johns, who who we probably will talk about a little bit later, who was in mm-hmm. Spike Lee's original movie she's, she's gotta, gotta have, have it. it so it, it's like interesting to see mario van peebles pull all these strings from i wouldn't say it's the kind of renaissance of black exploitation because it really wasn't but it was almost getting there to that point mm. um so it was you know all those through lines of people who are kind of connected in that way uh, super cool to see them all be in this movie and then have like really pivotal roles in it yeah yeah for sure so um, I, I yeah. just want to note on that on that I, I know we're gonna go through the plot a little bit more, but the biggest highlight for me in this whole movie is that is the performances, is seeing these actors, a lot of them much younger than necessarily the roles we would see them in later. Um but I can't get over how young Ice T looks <laughs> in this movie. Like he's so <laughs> young and he's so sorry, I don't want to just bring the thirst, but he's he's gorgeous in this movie. Like I, I just find his whole energy like it, like he's physically very beautiful in this movie, but also like his whole thing is like really, really <laughs> compelling to watch. Honestly, like he's he's very, very, very interesting to watch. Um, but like watching Chris Rock be this young, watching all these like incredible actors who are this young, watching Wesley Snipes do the villain thing here in in such a charismatic way. Like he is the ultimate. Like listen, I know Tony Montana is like the the template for a lot of this for the like charismatic gangster. He was the blueprint. Yeah, he's he's the blueprint. Hey, no. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> but but honestly, Nino Brown is so much more. He feels so much more charismatic to me. Uh, he's extremely Tony. complex, right? Yes. Like that's the whole thing because. In a way, he's a cartoonish villain. Like he he's uses evil. a literal child <laughs> as a human shield. Like there's just you're there's really not getting any more villainous than that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, and at the, they paint those little like he helps the community. And I know we'll get deeper into the plot points, yeah, the but that's that. yeah. I totally agree with you in that he is obviously a villain. There's really no denying that, but the speech at the end and then like he's giving back to the community or whatever, just like he's a layered villain and it's really interesting. I find that he's an easy character to glorify and he became glorified later. Um, He became like a cultural reference, but at the same time, you're not supposed to, right? If you pay attention to what happens to him in the movie, that's not like a thing that you want to see happen in your life. And then, the way that he's acted uh, by Wesley Snipes and the way that he dresses and the lifestyle. And it's interesting that Merritt mentioned the vampire thing because there is a little bit of that. I was reading an interview, um, a story on Far Out, and there was a quote from Barry Michael Cooper, uh, the co-screenwriter. And he said that he wanted, um, like, what Nino is doing to his community is vampiric as he's sucking the blood out of his people only via crack. We wanted where he lived from the furniture to the candles to show he was a monster just like Dracula. So it really did kind of have that feel. Yeah, because there's a scene that shows his bedroom and it's like... Full Dracula. These like wrought iron (laughs) candelabras and shit. Like it looks like the set of a music video uh, slash like, yeah, like a Dracula house. 
And um, that's really Set interesting. Sheets okay. and the whole thing. Yeah, so they definitely just like did. Okay, so that was all like super intentional. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So basically, um, CMB uh, gets into crack and takes over the the Carter, which is an apartment complex, uh, and they turn it into a crack house. Um. They. Uh, yeah, just like convert the whole building, and. Um, then we get uh we get like a time a time jump. Basically, Nino, <laughs> you know, it takes over um Harlem over the next couple of years. And then uh we've got uh Detective Stone, uh, who is of course Mario Van Peebles, and he's trying to to crack the operation. And he's like, Oh, I need I need these two loose cannons. You know, I need I need <laughs> just like the real I need my my own lethal weapons, you know? Um I just watched Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um and he so he gets like um he gets Appleton, who is Ice T, who um earlier we saw him like uh try to make a deal with Pookie and then shoot Pookie in the leg. And um he so he's like kind of like I forget what his deal is. He's like off he's not like off the force, but he's like He's a loose he, cannon. He's a, yeah, he's a loose cannon. Who's not playing by the rules, and, but getting the job done. And then we get Judd Nelson as Nick Peretti, I, who is this, another loose cannon who is just like a weirdo. Like He looks like Joey Fatone. Yeah, he looks he a bit like Joey Fatone if Joey Fatone was like really into like the I Ching and like I, was, there is this impression that he is like a weird martial arts guy or something. like that he's just like a weirdo white dude. Like he is like yeah. the he's one like, white guy like in the movie. A, he's like such a weird almost punisher, but also yeah. the older yeah. version of himself from the Breakfast Club. Yeah. He's yeah. like a nerdy <laughs> punisher. He went yes. on to have a fight in the UFC in the early nineties. Yes, he did. Sequel. Oh my god. Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. fits with the whole character we just uh elaborated on i think so like they get like this odd couple kind of relationship mm-hmm. um except they're both the loose cannon <laughs> but they're, they're loose in different parts or different ways i guess and yeah. uh, but it turns out they have more in common than they thought was different between them uh, as we learn later on but um yeah so basically so like you know nino's like taking over the streets and he's trying to like keep his image nice by like giving out thanksgiving turkeys and stuff and uh and Appleton like nabs Pookie off the streets and gets him into rehab. And there's this really like kind of rapid montage of him going through <laughs> rehab yeah. and like nothing else is happening while this is going on. Um, and then he gets out and it's like, Oh, what should we do? Like, Oh, you want to help us take this guy down? Huh? That makes sense. Let's put you in a situation where it is extremely likely that you will like, use you again. know, yeah. That you'll use again. Um, like, and there's and, some strife there too between Apple yeah, yeah. and and Judd Nelson's character and Peretti. Yeah, they're like, hey, don't do this. Yeah, yeah. I see. Is like, um, this is not what crackheads do. Uh, this is <laughs> this is this is not crackhead canon where you put crackheads into spaces where they're going to potentially use, and we're going to use them on a really big drug deal that we've been trying to work out for all this time. Yeah, yeah. And Peretti's like, but it might work. Crazy, it might work. It's so yeah. It was literally so crazy. It might work, and then they put him back in the space. Continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, like, don't oh. be sorry. That's true. That's yeah. It's um, it's a bad idea. 
and it turns out that exactly what you think is going to happen happens. And um, yeah. then they, you know, basically they ditch the Carter because they find out uh, that Pookie is wearing a wire. And so they they kill him. They set fire to like the entire building. They blow it up. And um, so Stone is just like, you know, Stone's like, like we had, you had one job and he like, gives him the whole speech about like how, like we had, we made two mistakes. I trusted you and you trusted a crackhead. And then they're just like, Oh man, damn. But like they decide Appleton Preddy are like, we're in too deep. We got to finish this thing. We're going to fucking kill this guy. Like we're just going to like, we're going to do it ourselves. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I go off the books. Yeah. Go for it. Um, that's what happens so they, when you have two loose cannons. That's right. Yeah, that's why you have cannon. the centered character who is that's, not the loose cannon who right. plays the books. But here's also the other part about this that 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 I want to I want people at home to listen to and understand. Mm. If you're gonna put a crackhead in a situation like this in the 80s, in the 90s, when crack is everywhere in New York, mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do is put them under surveillance and then give them a camera in their belt buckle. Oh my God. Oh my God, I know. Why would you give some <laughs> cameras in their belt buckle and tighten tape a very large device to a very skinny man's chest? It's not like you couldn't see it through his shirt. I know the 90s had baggy clothes. Yeah. This is just, from again, from a continuity <laughs> hey, perspective. Hey, do you ever think about how much harder... It is to do surveillance in eras when the style is to wear really tight clothing. I'm saying, like, right? It, I never really thought about that before, but like, in, you know, it, it goes back and forth. But like in the 80s, like how hard was it to do surveillance? Everyone's wearing like super tight shirts. They, their sleeves are all rolled up. You know? Spandex surveillance like, is hard. It's tough. And, how you know, would you do it with a But now card? it's back, right? Like we're back to baggy things. So maybe like we're it's a mm, Jinkos you know, are back, yeah. Yeah, revival of the surveillance. Yeah. Well everything's much smaller now too, so they could it's not a but problem the, anymore. The but. whole storyline with Pookie, like that poor man, because I see oh. shoots him. Then and he does it in front of a bunch of kids, right? Like isn't it like where kids are playing or something? Like the, the scene? Yeah, kids play in this uh Place, so mister. He, in, the car in that there. beginning scene, yeah, in that beginning yeah. chase, yeah, he shoots him in the foot. He shoots him, and then that's why, like, he goes into drugs, or that's what they imply. They sort of mention that, right, you got shot, and then um, you you develop a, do- a drug problem. And then he gets him clean, only to get him killed. Like, that is... No! Yeah, he did struggle with it, though. He did struggle emotionally with the idea of... It's only putting, because he was pushing so hard for it, right? Right. Because he's right, like, right. no, let me back in. Put me in, coach. Like, I'm going to yeah. take this guy down. I want to help it you. It took him two minutes. He, like, I'm not giving him <laughs> ICA passes. Like, <laughs> that's he's, like, he's like, you put me in rehab and you saved my life. So let me let me try to do this for you to kind of yeah. pull you back as, as that part of it. But then he did wind up getting him killed because, again, Peretti was like, yo, we're so close, we gotta do this. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah. man. But the, I uh, thought the longest yard was, like, the saddest Chris Rock death, and I was uh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Honestly, is pretty brutal. I was really, 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 really sad. Like, I really... I also really was impressed by Chris Rock's performance. Yeah. And I hadn't seen him in anything where he was this young, so I didn't even recognize him at first. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Chris Rock. You know, it was one of those moments, for sure. But he really goes on a journey... Movie? Like a, a real he was journey. A baby. He, 
Yeah, he's yeah. so young. Do, do you know how old he was in this movie? I'm going to guess like 19 or 20. <laughs> no? Guess again. He was like 17. 17, yeah. Mm, no, kind of wrong direction. Oh, okay. oh he was 25? Uh, keep going. 27. Uh, he was. Let me just my age, this. 37. Make sure I know what years are. Uh, I don't think was... the math closes on that one, Daniel. <laughs> uh, wait a second. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now. Now I'm very confused about what time is. That doesn't seem right. Is that it's right? interesting because I know that I he think was... he's like 30. I think he was like 30. Wow. Really? Yeah. It's it's weird because I remember. But he was a cast member on SNL from yep. like 90 to 93. Okay. And he was super young then because he was like one of the youngest cast members there. He was born it's, in 65. Sorry. Huh. Sorry to interrupt. So no, uh, no, no, numbers are hard. Uh, obviously, so we've he's made like it 26. very clear. So he's like 26. Okay. 26 yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right. Yeah. I can yeah. see that now. Yeah. I can see that now. <laughs> in retrospect. In yeah. retrospect, yeah. We do not understand how time and numbers work today. Um, yeah. That's okay. It doesn't no matter. We've transcended. We're not a math podcast, okay? No, it's a movie <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Listen, I can only count to 24 frames per second, okay? That's, that's as much right. As I can count. That's um, right. So, uh, none of this 60 frames bullshit. Get this fucking Gemini man shit out of here. Um, so, uh... Yeah, basically they're like, all right, we're going to go undercover. We're going to bribe Frankie Needles, who okay. is the, yeah. that like, the, uh, the Italian tailor. guy. Can I the take pony a moment? Guy. Can I take just a moment to talk about Italians in this movie? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> as, as the young Italian-American here. Uh, yeah, it's it's very, I, I couldn't stop cackling because it's very like a godfather view of Italians, which is mm-hmm. perfect. It's appropriate for, you know, this sort of movie. And of course, there is like a this is an Italian thing, but there is like such a nod to previous gangster movies. Like they're actually watching Scarface at one point. So like this movie mm-hmm. knows what it's doing. It knows what the tone is. But like these old Italian men who are in their like 40s ass fedoras and their suits and stuff like that. And then we've got Frankie Needles who also looks like a vampire uh, who just shows up every now and then to like be an asshole basically. And also they, he's kind of in on the deal with the cops at the end. Like he's part of the machinations of getting uh, Appleton to be like a confidant and to actually fully infiltrate uh, the whole the whole deal. So actually, I'm going to be honest, I didn't completely understand what Frankie Needle's involvement was there. Was he just oh, making he was, the introduction? Yeah, basically. He okay. was like, yeah. yeah, get Appleton in the gang, pretty much. Yeah. And saying he, very he racist helped. things. Like, he had like yeah. three lines and they were all so aggressively racist. They're that all my, real like, racist. But then yeah. he gets like, his ponytail cut off, which is very funny. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. It's literally like a samurai moment or something. Like they, yeah. They like, Nino, is... Nino cuts his ponytail off, which is very funny and good. That moment was yeah. so stupid. It was, yeah. dumb, it was so dumb because it was so like, hey everyone, let's have our let's have our a really hood Knights of the Round Table moment. <laughs> yeah. Let's just start a gang war. Let's yeah. Just right. Do that, and then um, yeah, yeah. So you know um. The the Italians try to do a hit on him, 
And, and the uh, wedding, which is also so Godfather that like, yeah. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. And then he tries to use a child as a human shield. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. Ab- Appleton is like, hmm, okay, maybe I'm going to shoot him <laughs> now. Um, but uh, Keisha gets killed and uh, the hitmen escape. And uh, then they do like a revenge hit where they just drive by on a motorcycle and just like kill like the at- entire like Italian kill all the mafia Italians. lieutenants. Yeah. Why were they hanging out outdoors though? Like that's the thing. They just like conducted they underestimated a hit. him. They, they underestimated like, him, you know? Because they were yeah. racist, I guess. Like Could they were just racist. I don't know. Yeah. And there's also some really interesting parts within that kind of block of time within the movie, which I think is really important mm. to dig back into, which was one, the you know, while all of this is happening, all of these parts of the movie are going through Alan Payne, who plays G Money. Oh, is having yes. lots of different behind the scenes jealousy moments against Nino. Mm-hmm. He's plotting with the Italian crew to kind of get in there. He's also because the interesting part about the whole kind of conversation around the crack around crack TM uh, was <laughs> was that you know at first Nino didn't want to deal in that space, but he saw that G money was starting to kind of bring that conversation into the cash money brothers and how that was going to fundamentally change what was going to be able to, what they were going to be able to do. Then he started to say, well, like now this is the thing that we want to kind of hold on to after they get to the Carter, they start making all the money right there. You move that forward. But G money is still having all these conversations behind the scenes because he's super jealous of Nino Mm, and it sets up so many different Mm. dynamics of, you know, the, am I, am I my brother's keeper, which, which was, a fundamental and and monumental moment within not only the acting career of Wesley, um, but it brought about so many things that we saw that kind of filtered its way out into uh, larger sections of conversations around around black culture. But going really quickly back to that um, to the wedding scene uh, when they're in the park, a lot of people. It's funny because Keisha. Wasn't a big character within the movie. She had basically yeah. three mm-hmm. really interesting spots in it. Yep. Uh, where she got to do her signature line of Rockabye Baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were sad when I watched this in the theater uh, when she when she got killed because it was a it was a really um, it was a really special moment to have a black woman be the power person, be the muscle. Yeah. in a crew because we didn't see that often in, in a lot of different movies. It was a thing that just really wasn't a thing. That really um, stuck out to me. Yeah. Yeah. She was the muscle. She was the person who was the enforcer in the crew. Um, and to have her die fairly mm-hmm. early in the movie um, or towards the middle of the movie um, and kind of go out in a heroic, you know, kind of um, uh, um, guns, Blaze. guns blazing, blaze of glory <laughs> moment. Yeah. Like was kind of a dope thing for for cinema in that way, in a weird way, right? You know, mm-hmm. you never get to see women go out in a blaze of glory in that way. Yeah, like break that glass ceiling. <laughs> yeah, break, Die. yeah break, break, break all the glass and the glass ceiling at the but same so, time. So much of this, uh, she reminded me of. Is it Snoop in The Wire? Later on, like in later in The Wire, who's like a a woman who's like pure muscle, like does not does not really do other things, but be muscle, but, but do hits on people. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, mm-hmm. is it Snoop? I forget her name. But I've like, never seen the wire. People, okay, people, okay, be, yeah, people just, beat me up for that, but and I was a sociology wire. major. So yeah, people are confused that I haven't seen it either. 
I mean, a lot of this, because of course I saw the wire before this, because, because my brain is weird and that's just how, how, how things went. I saw a mm. lot of that and a lot of those kinds mm. of characters and a lot of like the more frankly interesting, uh, characters and characterizations in this movie. I think that's due to the script and I think it's due to the, maybe some of the pacing stuff that, that is a little Mm -hmm. weird, but I appreciated it because Mm -hmm. we got a lot of that characterization. Um, it was, was, was kind of cool. And again, more interesting than most kind of gangster movies. Like it really does go in on some complexities here, even in some fairly subtle ways and maybe even in some like extremely earnest ways, but I, I still appreciated that. Uh, and I still appreciated that tone. Yeah. And, Ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's just a very stupid observation about The Wire because I have a running joke with my fiance who watched it. I never watched it that whenever we're watching anything and a familiar face, is, face appears, he goes, oh, I know them from somewhere. And I go, let me guess. They were on The Wire. And they always were on The Wire. <laughs> You're always right. <laughs> That's all I was going to add. <laughs> Please go on with your inevitably more relevant observation. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to add a like a little New York New York anecdote for that, for that place that they film that um that's in that's in upper harlem that's almost like in the cloisters section of new york um and they used to have every wednesday they would have an event called the jazz mobile um and it would be the space where literally anyone who was 60 years and 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 up would kind of be there for about two hours sitting down in their in their in their dope lawn chairs (laughs) And they would be like this this one like roving ice cream truck that used to play jazz. <laughs> and it used to be so fiery because it would be like at for like the first two hours, it would be all jazz mobile stuff. And then right after that, it would be like the hottest spot for everybody who was young and super horny to go find each other and go <laughs> hang out and try and try to <laughs> and try to talk to each other. It was a brilliant time in New York for sure. But it was always interesting to go back and see that see that part of New York. Uh, because the, it was a space that um, called Grant's Tomb. So it was Grant's Tomb. Mm. Um, and uh, it was just a really interesting space to be able to see that part in that movie because of all the background in that time uh, that was happening in that space. So it was it was, it was was cool to see that that moment. That's awesome. I, that sounds like such a fun thing. Like, it was what, dope. A, what a great event. Like, it's rad. It was super dope. Hell yeah. Um, so I want to... Mention that um, Fernanda has has uh, dropped some links in our chat, and uh, the Godfather came up earlier. And the, this movie was originally written as the Godfather Part Three. What? And it what? was based, and the main character was supposed to sell heroin instead of cocaine. I don't think it was exactly that. I think like the. One of the screenwriters, that's what I understood at least. But I read, honestly, kind of conflicting things from both the screenwriters on the origins. But one of the things that I read was that Thomas Lee Wright was like, he wrote a treatment for The Godfather Part 3. Right. And then like immersing himself on that, his research uh, led him to Nikki Barnes, who was uh. a drug dealer, uh, who did... who. who um, <clears throat> dealt, dealt with heroin, and that was kind of the inception of it. Like, mm. there's some of the DNA. And I had read something about Wesley Snipes saying that, like, he felt like they kind of accomplished, kind of almost got there with the idea of, like, m- making a, a Black the Godfather. Mm, mm-hmm, mm. Mm-hmm. If it's... But that, if again, it's- like, there's there's a lot of 
kind of conflicting things I read about it, but that's sure. the Godfather DNA is kind of what I found on this, that he had been sort of commissioned to do a treatment of the third installment, which by the right. way, I never watched, but that's <laughs> right. Well, I think it's pretty universally accepted as terrible. Um, <laughs> I don't think you need to see the Godfather part three. Probably, <laughs> uh, probably not doing that one better. on this yeah. show oh, anytime so soon. Um, yeah. So the, basically this whole time Appleton is trying to infiltrate uh, CMB and we get this like, at one point, we get this like background detail about Nino, where he like explains what he had to do to like get into a gang when he was a kid. He oh, just had, like yeah. had to kill a random person, and it's like, hmm, I wonder if that's going to come up again. <laughs> um, and uh, so they set up this sting, but at the the sting operation, basically they're like, okay, we're going to try to get him to buy from us. Uh, and then we'll get it on tape. But Kareem recognizes Appleton from like way back at the beginning of the movie. That first from, shot from like of three years yeah. earlier. Uh, and it's just like, oh, he's a cop. And then we get a shootout. Um, Peretti jumps in and, uh, you know, saves Appleton. Um, Nino gets away. And I guess I think like, uh, I forget if it's before the scene or 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 after, but we get this like conversation between Appleton and Peretti, where they're just like talking about like they're like revealing their secrets and being like, "Oh wow, we're we're more the same than different. We both hate drugs." Because like, yeah, Price just like he has this line where he's like, "You know, drugs aren't a black thing or a white thing; it's a death thing, and like death doesn't discriminate or something." And it's like, well, that's like partly true, but. Um, but his, his point is that he also, you know, he has like a personal connection to this stuff and like this time Mm -hmm. it's personal for the both of them. And, um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just just remembering, I'm sorry. I'm just remembering when I saw this in the theater Uh and literally someone from the furthest reaches of the theater farthest away from the screen was like, yo, shut the fuck up. Oh, it was nice. so great. It oh was so God. great. I'm sorry. So, that did just you watch came back it in New York? Because I, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was, oh, my God. It was the Come best. Come on, Judd Nelson. Judd, it was like, yo, shut the fuck up. What are Come you talking on, about? Judd. To death thing. You shut up. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. Sorry. That's, uh, that's amazing. That just put me in such a place, and I'm so happy. I'm so happy <laughs> for that person who said that. <laughs> so good. Uh, I think we get, uh, uh, no, I was going to, I was going to say, um, well, this is where the, um, the, the most famous, uh, shot from this movie happens because Nino is on the run and he confronts G money and, um, they have that, this tearful conversation And Nino is like, realizes that, you know, he's addicted to crack and that basically he like was used by Appleton uh, to get into the gang. And um, he, uh, they have that, that big conversation and and Nino uh, tearfully shoots him and then considers shooting himself, uh, but doesn't. And uh, basically continues to like, just do his, his work on his own in like a little apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But um, then <laughs> uh, Appleton and Peretti break in and uh, Appleton is like, that was my mom that you killed. Right? That random teacher, that was my mom. And it's like, wow, what are the odds? Like, I guess that's why he's so obsessed with him. But like, yeah. um, and uh, we get the whole, so the ending of this movie is very interesting. And I would say like prototypical of cop shows of the 90s and 2000s, mm. where the tension in cop procedurals, I would say most of the time is that we know who did it, but the system gets in the way, right? And those shows are propaganda. Like, just, I'll just say it. Like, they are propaganda for the police because they're like, if we didn't have all these rules, then cops could catch the bad guys. And um, so we get the courtroom scene where um, Renino gives this speech. And it's almost like you can, he's doing, like, Wesley Snipes is doing this so well because, like, he's, like, almost smirking while he's saying this stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's just like, he's like doing, cause it's like, it's true, but he's also like so self-serving and like so smart and just like knows, um, he's like calculated exactly what he's saying about how, you know, there are no Uzis made in Harlem. Like no one in Harlem owns, um, you know, owns an opium field. field yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, he, he gets a plea deal and, um, he gives up, you know, he claims that, uh, that Kareem, I think, is the the real leader and is like, I was forced into this, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he only gets a, a year. And uh, Appleton and Peretti are just like, damn, damn, what? Oh, can't believe that the, the courts failed us. <laughs> and then, of course, the old man from the beginning and middle of the movie who previously tried to kill Nino shows up and says, idolater. Your soul is required in hell and shoots him. And then he yes. falls off the balcony and, ne- and ne- <laughs> for Eddie and Appleton are just like, yeah. Smiling. <laughs> like big smirk. Beaming. Got Got <laughs> but like, it's weird, right? Cause it's like, cause this movie definitely is a little more sympathetic. I think too, just because of the fact that Wesley Snipes is sort of a main character who we spend a lot of time with, mm-hmm. it's like a little more sympathetic to him than I would say like a lot of cop procedurals are to their, um, their, you know, criminals. So like, w- what are y'all feeling when in this, in this kind of climax? It's very, um, very gang leader for a day, which is like the, the sort of the thesis of that book is like, Oh, yeah, this is, and it ties back to the sort of middle scene, which I don't know if we discussed it in too much detail, but there is a point where that old man is like, you're poisoning your community. Like, like because mm-hmm. of course the CMB, they do like Thanksgiving dinners and they give people money and they are supporting the community, but really they're vampires to the community. Like that's the idea. And that's like, that's the th- very much the thesis of like gang leader for a day that like this operation is so much more, complicated and it has its tendrils in everything in everyday life mm-hmm. like like drug gangs are provide literal protection because cops won't fucking help anybody in in these situations in certain neighborhoods and like they do a little bit of that with the cops there's like some throwaway lines here and there but that like yeah people this because of the racist system because of the fucked up system that this is this is the reality of the situation and like the only help people will get is from somebody like nino uh who is absolutely taking advantage of everyone around him and poisoning his own people. Like it, it's the truth. And it kind of feels like the only way like it's almost kind of like saying, okay, yeah, 
The system is so completely broken and fucked up that the only way anything will happen is this sort of like old man vigilante justice like mm-hmm. that, this, mm-hmm. that this old man is willing to do, frankly. And, and like all along the way, he is trying everything that's available to him. He literally goes to the police and says, don't you care what's going on? Like, I'm telling you what's happening here. And, and you know, gets, of course, no help from them whatsoever. So it's like a very... It's, it's not like the main text of the movie, but it's very much, mm-hmm. I think, the undercurrent of the movie that someone like Nino is mm-hmm. uh, is everywhere. And in every place that's been neglected by the rest of society, there's a Nino. And like, that's that's what it is. And it's fucked up and it's sad. I think it's interesting, too, that his death is, I think, it matches sort of the ambiguity that that is we're supposed to like have with this character in a way, because yeah, he has a tragic end, right? He gets shot, and and then if that's not enough, he falls a bunch of stories and ends up on the <laughs> ground. But yeah. at the same time, is that necessarily more tragic or less romantic than him rotting away in jail? And it's not, right? Like, I feel like that's a more glamorous ending than just him being arrested forever for him. So I just thought that was interesting. Like, he'd added... I think he's a more sneakily complex character than he looks. And that like kind of, to me, added to it, the way he died sort of fed into the rest of his narrative, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things because, you know, going back to some of the points that Dan- Danielle was hitting on of the who are the people who you closest closely um either want to emulate or feel like are, you know, closest connected to you. And that conversation is a longer one for a different show, but Mm. especially during that time of the crack era in New York, where so many things were changing around that city, the Giuliani era was starting to come up right after Dinkins was, was, was Mm. mayor, Um, you know, broken windows conversations were, Mm -hmm. were, were one in there and, and, and how it all kind of worked. And, during the Dinkins era, police brutality and all that kind of connection to police was a little bit different. It wasn't as strident as it started to become under Giuliani. So there were like layers of all of that that made Nino a sympathetic character to so many people who watched that movie and was like, damn, that sucks that he got killed in that movie in that way. But I still don't think that he got a hero's ending in that way. Mm. Like he didn't get the he didn't get the good horror death. It, you know, if you're yeah. a fan of horror movies, you're like, if you got a really good gruesome death, that was like props to you. They like cared about your character enough to do that for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he didn't get that in this movie. He got a very quick, sudden, you know, not from a rival gang, not mm-hmm. from the police, but from somebody who supposedly he was helping um, was the person who took him out. It was it was interesting to see that kind of parallel the conversation around again, Keisha or even Pookie who had a probably more heroic death in that movie than the main kind of baddie in that Mm. space. Right. So Nino's Nino's whole deal was, was super weird um, in terms of how it went down, but he got to have his, 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 his Caesar moment in, in, in the court, which I Mm -hmm. think was, Mm -hmm. The thing that most people, when we watched it together in the theater, that was the thing that people talked about on the way out was like, mm-hmm. yo, he's right. Like, we weren't the ones who brought that into our neighborhoods. Uh, and, and in a weird way, it is a version of trying to get rich quick that most people who you see through music and movie and movies now 
are still trying to figure out of how to emulate that version of get rich die, die or die quick. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's a beginning of that story in that way that was kind of more, more spread out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a wild, a wild ending for him. Uh, I don't know what happens in the ethos of what that means for anyone else. Cause it feels like all the other characters too wind up not really getting their due. Like Kareem yeah. got the Kareem got put on the hook mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. no reason. Yep. Um, and Kareem was getting, was getting done dirty anyway. G money really didn't get anything out of it besides getting nothing but, you know, jealousy and getting shot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, He has like one of the most tragic arcs next to Pookie, right? Of like, he was there for the beginning. He, he did so much of it and then that's all he gets, you know? Yeah. That's all he gets, especially because he was weirdly the most loyal, but also the most fickle, right? Because he Mm -hmm. was the person who wind up getting so much of the, he was the person who wound up getting so much of it together, but never getting his due because Nino was the front man for it. Um, so yeah, there's, there was a lot of interesting loose ends that didn't, that did get tied up, but in the way that you would wanted them to, a lot of them were really unsatisfactory and unsatisfying for a lot of people who watched it, but it was still the like raw, raw, uh, energy that kind of pushed it together. So yeah, it, it was, a, it was, a, it was a weird ending for that movie. Yeah. Also very Scarface. Uh, so Scarface. Yeah. It's also like, uh, there's a lot of this movie playing on Scarface. I mean, literally, obviously we already mentioned that, but there's a lot of like kind of playing with gangster tropes in that way that I, I mean, I like that. I like that it did that. I like that it had those, those little references in it. Um, not just references, but this is like, this is a gangster movie, right? And this movie is saying, hi, Hey, I am a gangster movie. And this is how we're ending on that note. Mm. And then there's text at the very end too, yeah. right? There's actually, yeah. Text. Sorry, Mary. It sounds like you wanted to. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna get onto the text. Go for it. No, no. Go for it. I don't have it in front of me. I just was noting oh, that like, me there's neither. actually like a message. It's at the just end. like well, it's basically that there are Ninos in every city. That like there yeah. are this person, um, this like crime lord, this like drug lord exists in every city, and like this complex situation, this fucked up complex situation exists in every city. This is not just like. You know, the way this movie is such a prototypical, like, New York crime movie from the time, right. like, it's saying, no, this is not, this is Well, it's movie. actually based on um, a guy Detroit, right? in Detroit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, it is, yeah, you know, bigger than New York. Um, kind of a weird, kind of a weird ending, because, so, um, I think it was Roger Ebert talked about how, like, he really liked the movie, mm-hmm. and he basically said, like, okay, so it's hard to make an anti-drug movie, mm-hmm. because- like the lifestyle of a drug dealer looks really cool. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. But he thought that this movie did that um, by basically, you know, having everything collapse. And like, I almost feel like, I don't know, like to me, the movie almost has like a very straightforward moral arc where like, it's like this road to ruin thing of like, Oh, of course, you know, mm-hmm of course this is going to end badly and like it does. And then everyone smiles and um, just like that last shot, you know, of, of Peretti and Appleton just being like, yeah, justice, um, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. like, it is interesting though, that, that the, you know, that Nino isn't killed in a shootout with, yeah. you know, these two guys who've been chasing him down. He isn't yeah. sentenced to jail for like 50 years. He's killed by a member of like his own community who, is has been basically like 
sick of his shit for a long time yeah. um, and has mistrusted him for a long time and is like has suffered like under him. So it is complicated, I think. Um, it did feel a little bit like it was sort of like a pretty straightforward morality play at times. Um, and I kept contrasting this with uh, King of New York, which came out a year before and which also mm-hmm. has Wesley Snipes in it and which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite crime movies. Um, and in that movie, Christopher Walken is more of a sympathetic figure, I would say, because he is trying to raise money f- to like f- to pay for social services in his neighborhood by doing crimes. And he also kills a bunch of people who are like into child prostitution and stuff. Right. Um, and he dies like from a gunshot wound like in the back of a cab at the end of the movie um and it's a more of like a almost more of a heroic kind of death um also pathetic though so yeah i don't know it's it's interesting like this movie is like take is very like okay so there there are nino browns in every city what does that mean like there are people who are selfish and willing to like you know do whatever they can to to get ahead or like or there are people who are willing to step into these spaces that are like these holes in like the safety net of society and, and, you know, use that to enrich themselves or, or what, because like his speech isn't wrong, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's not wrong. And at the same time, it doesn't exonerate him. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. which is the complexity. And, mm-hmm. uh, and to me, I'm like, okay, well, so what is this movie? You know, it's like, it kind of just leaves you like to to think about that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I wonder though, how impactful that speech was at the time, right? Because right now, what he's saying is not really that groundbreaking and that like, these are things we know to be true about the reality of drugs, right? But like, at the time, I wonder like, was it impactful? Like, was it a, like kind of a groundbreaking moment? You know, like that's something I can't, answer kind of (laughs) brazilian girl in 2021 (laughs) i mean kind of i mean again the 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 space that that movie occupied the conversations that were having having happening Mm -hmm. in in those communities was like there is an interesting trade-off here between getting to the american dream and poisoning your own people right Mm -hmm. and that's never not been there okay that's always that's always been there that's the Mm -hmm. the the lie of the american dream is that everyone is equal and that you can get whatever you want if you Mm -hmm. if you work hard enough which we know is not true Mm -hmm. so this is the easiest way to get there but sadly you will have to try there will be collateral damage and that collateral damage looks like your people Mm. yeah um and that part has always been hard i I think i think the the thing that wind up coming out of that conversation from that speech and a lot of other ones that were in other movies prior to it like there was Mm -hmm. some of that stuff into the right thing and even in um in a lot of early early spike movies for sure but it was good to see mario dig into it because you know his father with his movies that he had Mm. directed dug into some of that stuff from multiple angles too. So it's like a replaying of a little bit of that for a younger audience who was not really hip to it at that point. Yeah. Cause it was again, still really early into the, the party scene of the hip hop era too. Um, so all those connected tissues where it wasn't really, we didn't get to um, money, drugs, women, music in hip hop in that space, in that way mm. yet. Mm-hmm. It was still kind of lighthearted and fun. Mm. Um, so it winds up leading into that era of saying, well, 
these are the people in your neighborhood. (laughs) Uh, And how do you feel about that while knowing that you have these other oppressive forces outside of that, that are actually the ones who are moving the puppets along, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think, which I think is a, is a, is a a through line across a lot of nineties black movies in that, in that space of like juice and Mm -hmm. um, above the rim and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and new Jack city, which all kind of spawned off of each other. Even, even, you know, um, uh, white men can't jump, you know, like even, even Mm -hmm. in there, there's there's some spots in there. So it did help to re reinvigorate that conversation. And I also thought that it, it, it was one of the first times you saw, Prior to the O.J. Simpson trial, a black man who was getting away with crime mm-hmm. in an actual way. Right. Like, you don't see that often in, in film. You don't see that in cinema yeah. at all. Um, so to see this guy get off, you know, air quotes, get off, um, was also monumental to see that happen on cinema. Uh, so, so yeah, there's a lot of little parts to it that, that definitely coincide. Yeah. Um, we... Uh... Yeah, we can wrap up pretty soon, but I just want to point out a couple things. We didn't really talk about crack at all. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, the crack epidemic, um, quote unquote, is, uh, is a complicated issue um, that I think is seen by some sociologists at this point as a moral panic, which is sort of uh, something that, you know, the sort of epidemic, like the sort of panic around it exacerbated the issue and made it mm-hmm. worse. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to talk about sentencing disparities, in 1986, uh, Congress passed laws that created a 100 to 1 sentencing disparity for the possession um, of crack compared to uh, trafficking of uh, powdered cocaine, mm-hmm. which um, is you know, which disproportionately affected, um, black people. And, uh, that, (laughs) that was cut to a mere 18 to one, uh, in 2010. So, um, crack, the crack epidemic is, um, one of, if not the biggest, uh, and you know, the attendant war on drugs is like basically the, the cover or the reason for this, like the prison situation in this country. Um, also the CIA invented crack, uh, but you know, no a citation needed, but like definitely, tr- <laughs> definitely true. Um, also, yeah, crack is like, there was like some, a lot of weird shit in the nineties. I remember growing up and seeing Pee Wee Herman being like, this is crack. And just like, wow, what? I don't know what crack is, but tell me more Pee Wee Herman. Like, what is this? Yeah, what's going um, on here? And, um, there's a lot of misconceptions still around crack. Um, it's still like a very poorly misunderstood drug, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. it, some studies find that it is like no more addictive than cocaine, uh, powder cocaine. It's simply a more efficient means of ingesting so that there is like a pers- like people who are already into cocaine will naturally move to, to smoking. Um, mm-hmm. And um, definitely the, if you look at the class and race associations with crack versus cocaine, cocaine is still very much seen as kind of like a jokey um, drug that we joke about politicians doing and being like, ha ha, they're on cocaine. Ah, ha ha, rich people do cocaine. Uh, whereas crack is still very, very much stigmatized um, and very much, you know, um, a different kind of joke, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, that shit is still very real. And, um, 
yeah, that's that's all. I don't know. Just last just... last last couple of points for me too. Uh, if you are if you have not watched New Jack City, uh, a couple 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 things it has one of the best soundtracks on the planet. Oh, oh fuck my God, yeah! Yes. Uh, the fact that Levert was in that was in that uh, singing around a a a a barrel full of fire. Uh, was great. <laughs> yes. uh, and, and how that was the transition between scenes was was amazing yeah um uh, it was the first time i saw a person who looked like me but naked walking down the street um <laughs> amazing i was like that's my i was like that's my ass oh, are you talking about like the landlord yeah huh are you talking that? about the landlord who gets yeah 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 oh exactly. my god i was like hey that butt looks like my butt <laughs> that's beautiful that's that right you're sharing this moment with us that's I mean, representation representation of all of all types <laughs> is uh, that what you said for now i don't want to take I'll credit butts. for that because that was funny <laughs> i'll take hey that was hey asses asses uh <laughs> also there were some interesting conversations in that movie around colorism which I, which mm. which was um mm-hmm. Between G Money and Nino, because Nino was the dark skinned character and G Money was a light skinned character who was mm-hmm. the one who kind of um, was the pretty boy in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, in that way. And also, interestingly enough, between uh, Nino's wife and the and uh, Teresa Camilla Johns, who he wound up cheating on his wife with in that movie, there were lots of conversations in the in the community around like how that played out of mm. the light-skinned wife who was the trophy wife versus the more brown-skinned woman who was mm-hmm. the mistress. Right. Lots of conversations in there about that, which were really interesting. Um, and yeah, it was, again, like movies like this hold such reverence in the communities because you just don't see the dynamics that you wind up seeing in the movie like this get money, like actually get mm-hmm. time on screen. Um, during that era, which was super wild uh, to see that it still has gotten that way. And I agree with you, uh, Danielle. Ice-T was pretty as hell in this movie. I I forgot how pretty (laughs) he was. He was was. so young. Yeah, I barely recognized him. Yeah, and it was so, again, it was like one of those weird spaces where, again, Chris Rock was acting in in Mm -hmm. a movie for the first time. Mm -hmm. Ice-T was kind of transitioning into his more, Mm -hmm. which is weird because, Ice T as a person who has made an album called Cop Killer uh-huh. has played a yeah. cop mm-hmm. for uh-huh. twenty years. Yeah. And this <laughs> yeah. is the first time he was yeah, like, the first time. Yeah. Yeah. he was hesitant. I read to kind of take yeah. the role because oh. of that. Oh, I'm yeah. totally sure. I'm sure he was totally <laughs> con- conflicted. And as soon as he saw that check, he was like, "Yo, I'm doing it." <laughs> uh, uh, so that's always been a funny joke in the community too. To be like, "Yeah, you cop killing my behind. You making that cop." <laughs> Um, and also yeah. Russell Wong. Russell Wong never got any love after he got yeah. some love after this movie as Park, um, as yeah, as, yeah. as the other other chill cop. Uh, but he never really got anything else after that 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 was of note that I remember. I'm sure you probably yeah. I'm trying had. to think. Oh, okay. He was in Romeo Must Die, which was oh, like okay. right. fun. Uh, he was opposite Jet Li in that in uh, 2000. That yeah. was a fun movie. I remember that seeing a lot of fun. in uh, in middle school. Good. But uh, yeah, and you know he's he's had work since then. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's. Oh, you know what? He was in uh, John Woo's Stranglehold. Oh shit! Oh okay. right, that's uh, right. That's the video game. I, that's where I know him from. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and True Crime Streets of L.A. So oh yeah, you know, he was in Westworld. He was in yep. Westworld. Uh, he was on a he was right. on a few episodes of Westworld. So uh, and you know he's on Supergirl and so so you know he's still he's still doing some work. 
Um, still there, kicking it. There's a Lethal Weapon TV show. Okay. Wow. That he oh, was God. on. All right, sure. All right. <laughs> CSI's Why not? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Sean cool. William Scott is on the Lethal Weapon. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, no, I can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. Wow. We can't. Um, wow. We got a theme for next month. Sean William Scott. There it no, is. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we're getting off dudes. We've been on a hot dude kick. We're going to get sure, off sure, dudes. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, anyone got anything to add before we start to wrap? I just, just want to I acknowledge that Michael Michelle is in this movie and we haven't mentioned her. She actually testifies, which is very brave. Mm. And yes. uh, she testifies against Nino uh, and she's gorgeous. And I will always have a soft spot, spot in my heart for her because she was in ER. She was on ER oh, for right. like uh, three years. Yeah, Dr. Cleo. So that oh, is very yeah. another random observation. But we, since we haven't acknowledged her, I just felt like we couldn't <laughs> say goodbye without 100%. me adding that. Yeah. 100%. Um, also, uh, Nick Ashford. Uh, of Ashford and Simpson. Yeah. Shows up real briefly. Tells you uh, how old my am. Jesus Christmas. <laughs> as, uh, as reference notes. Black Jesus. Ashford Simpson. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right. Well, um, we're going to wrap then. Um, so next week. I don't know what we're watching yet. I don't. I don't know if we have a theme for next month yet. But I. I do have a, one piece of news, which is that um, I will be uh, taking a, a break uh, from the show, um, just to uh, for a few reasons uh, to sort of give the show more space to bring on more regular guests, and um, because you know if we get six people up in here, it gets a little crazy. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to be stepping back and leaving the show in the extremely competent hands of Danielle LB and uh fernanda and uh that doesn't mean i'll never be back on the show i'll just you know just stepping back for a bit um focus on some other stuff some other projects some other exciting secret things that i can't talk about right now well i can but i won't um <laughs> i'm just glad you got to go out on a big high like what a fucking yeah yeah. yeah no good time great time um so um i don't know what the theme is but we'll find out soon i would imagine they will decide and uh let you know so that's all for this week. We hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us. Please, please rate and review our podcast. Just go on Apple Podcast app and just like click the five stars. Um, it's great. You'll love it. It's it's a great time. Um, you love to rate it. You, know? you love to rate it. <laughs> you can listen to all our stuff at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, Instagram at Fanbyte, TikTok on Fanbyte. And of course, all of our stuff is at fanbyte.com. Thank you to Paul... Five dollar ass to my ass. You can go to our Discord at fanbite.casa and follow us on Twitch at bongodingus.com. Khalif, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. This has been one of the best things I've gotten to do because I've never gotten to talk about New Jack City. Hell yeah. Getting a chance to do with all of you made my day. Thank you so much for having me. And again, uh, rockabye, baby. <laughs> uh, where can people find you online? Uh, at Kajakins on Twitter. At Spawn on Me is the show Twitter. Uh, we're here on Fanbyte every yeah. Friday, dropping a new episode, uh, making it hot for everyone in them streets. Uh, and you can check out our live shows usually Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. PST uh, on Twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. Yeah. 
uh, six. So uh, go check those out. And uh, you can find uh, Danielle at Danielle RI on Twitter. Uh, Fernanda, what's your Twitter? I'm Ananda Prates, P-R-A-T-E-S underscore on Twitter. Uh, and I am at Merit K. Paul is uh, at Polymayo. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. So um, until next week, you love to see it. Mm-hmm.